I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. Record scratch, if you didn't know what that is. The anniversary edition. 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 <laughs> I thought that it was a car squealing off of the side of the road. <laughs> it could be both. You know, it's whatever makes you feel excited about the anniversary edition. Whatever you think that noise was, that's what it is. Yeah. I'm your co-host, Essie Fleedor. I'm your other co-host, who is the co-host of Essie Fleenor, Sarah Century. Oh, this is our podcast. And you know what's wild? It's episode 52. Oh. And there are 52 weeks in a year. Holy heck. It's our anniversary. What? Dang. Oh, dang. Happy anniversary, Sarah. Happy anniversary. I don't have any champagne, but as usual, I have a gallon jar of coffee right next to me. So nice. This will nice. get us through it. Just great. I have some chilled tap water that I'm drinking in celebration. Whoa, slow down. I'm sorry. I know. I get a, I get a little loose on the weekend. Get a little loose. Uh, <laughs> we are so freaking pumped to be recording our 52nd episode. Hello, my babies. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being with us here for this whole year. 
we want to start by telling you a very special story. Once, there was a podcast born on an island full of women. But the podcast was not born, but made from the clay. And when that podcast gained life, it rose up and became Bitches on Comics. (laughs) I thought that it was the one where... There was the doomed planet, and then there was the one person who was just like, I can't even handle this, and got into a little pod, and then went to a planet, and then was just like, you know what, I'm gonna throw a car at a bad guy, and (laughs) other stuff happened. The rest is history, as they say. (laughs) Oh, the lady, the reporter who shows up. That's really the end of that story. The reporter shows up, everything gets better. That was my origin story. An amazing origin story. Oh, thanks. I liked yours, too. (laughs) So Sarah and I wanted to talk about our podcast as if it was a superhero, because it is a superhero to me. Sarah, if someone asks you where, where Bitches on Comics came from, what do you say? I'm like, oh, we were talking on Slack one time at our job at Sci-Fi and we were talking about smoking weed and we were both like, oh, we're both in Colorado. You can tell because we're the ones that are already high. (laughs) There was basically a consensus that perhaps it would be a day on which one might partake of the weed. And uh, yeah, both Essie and I were like, too late. (laughs) (laughs) already um but then it was like oh are you from colorado oh me too (laughs) well not from there we both lived there at the time things change we're in different places the podcast is now recorded in different places which is easy and fun and nice but um it also was for a long time when we were in colorado because there was a pandemic but Basically, I tell them this meandering story. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically we were smoking weed and thirsting over Sarah Lance from Legends of Tomorrow. That's right. And we were like, oh, crap. Should we be friends? And I remember thinking, there's no way this person wants to be my friend. Sarah Sentry is the coolest person I've ever met. Every single article I read of Sarah's, I am like, what the actual fuck? How do you know that much about anything? And then the more that I got to know about you, the more that I was like, oh, no, we're meant to be friends. You must be my friend. And I just kept pitching things at you. We went to a brewery that was in a strip mall on Broadway (laughs) in Denver. It used to be like, I think a laundromat, a cricket store. (laughs) It was maybe both. It might still be a cricket store and the laundromat is gone. Yeah, but we went there because everything's a brewery in Colorado now. That wasn't always the case, but it is now. So we went there of all of the breweries for some reason. And it was pretty good. Yeah, it was it was fun. And I remember it was like time to leave because I had to be somewhere else. And I was like, I do not want to leave. I want to continue this conversation. And that's when I started pitching you shit. I was like, Sarah, should we do a newsletter? And you were like, let me think on it. And I was like, Sarah, should we write an article (laughs) together? And you were like, let me think about it. I was like, Sarah. Do you want to do that newsletter? (laughs) And you were like, let's make it a podcast. And I was like, okay, let's make it a podcast. And here we are. I was thinking about it, too, because I tried to start a podcast with another person, maybe on three different occasions. And every single time the person would bail 
And so I would just have ended up doing all of this work for no reason. And I would be really sad about it every time <laughs> because I was like, at least we could have hosted like six episodes for the love of God. But then in the end, I was like, who really needs this or that? And then I was like, you know what the world does need, though? <laughs> podcasts. Absolutely. There's like millions of podcasts. But, you know, you need more, especially in comics, you know. There's several podcasts that are really great that are comic podcasts, but I would always be like, I wish that people would talk more about like queer stuff and all of that. So someone was asking me, like, what's unique about your podcast? And I'm like, uh, everything is queer. <laughs> like everything. It doesn't matter if we even talk about a queer thing because like our lens, our analyses, right? Like we're constantly looking at like, what does this work do and why does it do it and where does it serve queerness where is it uh you know a metaphor for queerness where is it actual queer representation and where is it like horse shit like our joss whedon episode which is still among my favorites uh <laughs> yeah that was that was good shit that was episode 31 by the way so what are some of your favorite episodes sarah the joss whedon one where i was just oh, like i hate so him i hate him <laughs> Sorry, everybody, but I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. And then after that, he did even more terrible stuff or like we heard more about terrible stuff that he did. Right. So it was like, oh, this guy was a jerk some more other times. Gotcha. So, <laughs> yeah, he made an unsafe work environment. Hmm. Gotta love that. Interesting. Very Whedon. Very Whedon. Yeah, I like that episode a lot. I liked <laughs> the episode where it's just like 30 minutes of us being like, we don't really ship Ivy and Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> we ship other people and here's like certainly all of the people that we ship these two with but none of them are each other weird huh none of them are each <laughs> the <other>. end <laughs> yeah we were not here for it a couple people in the comments were like i like shipping them and i was like listen i don't i'm never gonna care who anyone i ships. hope you have a great time there's this thing is called archive of our own you can go there anytime and read all of the fan fiction <laughs> that's about those two i don't know how much there is but i'm sure that there's some and so have a good time. We're never going to step on that. However, you asked us what we think and what we think is no. Yeah. What we think and is. That was episode 36. That was episode 36. All right. Well, that was a good one. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. I like all the ones where we kind of while out where we're like, we're talking about this, but we're also talking about literally everything else. <laughs> I loved episode 22, which was playing footsie naked, where we talked about canonical queer characters and then characters who we were like how is this not canonically queer oh yeah <laughs> that was like super duper because we're like that is can't like they're queer like do you not see the pa i see the panel they're being queer <laughs> i don't well how is this not that was pretty hilarious the interviews that we did because there's the only good ones oh my god they're all fucking great yeah stephanie williams alana levin Paige S. Allen talking about Venom. Oh, my God. I will never see Venom the same way again. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Doing our crossover with the good, the bad, the basic. Alex and Em are so fucking smart and incisive. And if you're not listening to their podcast, do it. Get your life right. They just did a Supernatural season. They've done True Blood, Charmed. You know, I only listen to the, the TV shows I've seen, but every now and then I'll listen to one I haven't seen. And it's like... Oh, I don't need to see that. <laughs> I know what good, bad, basic things, and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I do that sometimes with them, too. Amy Chu was super cool. She oh my was God. so funny. Where I was like, uh, Amy Chu, you like do stuff in your day-to-day -day life just like me, just like a regular person? <laughs> You're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're so much cooler than every other person. And then like Amy Chu was literally like the most down to earth and amazing person telling all of these really great stories where I was like, every person that's going to break in should listen to this. Definitely. She's just like, I don't know. It was just this long sequence of events. (laughs) It's still just one of my favorite conversations I've ever had the opportunity of having. It was so fun. Danny Lore. Oh, my gosh. Danny's so insightful and funny. Gay shit and werewolves. I was like, I will never forget who Danny Lore is. <laughs> that was such like a inspiring episode because the whole time, I think all of us were on a vibe of just being like, look, we're in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> like Everything's terrible. Mm-hmm. Comics are enduring hit after hit and being like, you know what? It's okay. We all read fiction. We all do editorial stuff for magazines that are self-run, kind of DIY magazines. And then we're just basically telling everybody, it's okay. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. we're going to read it and we're going to read it with love in our hearts and don't feel sad if you get rejected because we're constantly getting rejected and we'll get rejected for the rest of our lives and it's okay. <laughs> like, all of that. It was just such a, a uplifting interview that whenever I listened back to it, I was like, oh, like, that's really great. I'm glad that we're all so positive. Yeah, it was such an overall, like you said, positive conversation that acknowledged how fucked everything was. But then like, it's so fun to talk to people like Danny and Amy, who are creators, because and Stephanie, you know, where we get into like the work they create and what the themes are they're playing with. And I think for me as a as a creative person myself, as a fiction writer, it makes me think more about how are those things coming out in my work? How are they not coming out in my work? And I just love that Danny's like, yeah, my whole thing is like, you can't win as an individual if you don't have a community there to support you in your individuality. And I'm like, yes, this is what we need. (laughs) Yeah, I love all of the interviews. Well, the whole pride slate was incredible. That was ridiculous. Anthony Oliveira, Mari Naomi, Leah McKendrick and Mariah Owen. We got Chingy Nia, Gabby Rivera. And then we sort of like a little late, but I threw it on our pride page anyways. Judith Slays, you know, like, what the hell? That was so cool. Yeah, that was a ridiculous time. (laughs) We were just posting all of these interviews that were just so, so good. So I really loved our interview with Ayola Solarin. You know, she's so insightful about how we think about editing. And we hadn't had a lot of conversations, a little bit with Danny, which is what made me think about it with Danny Lore. But like really thinking about what does it mean to edit? What's an editor's role? And that was so fun, especially, too, because Ayola has such a robust lens. And I think she's the only animator we've had on so far, which was really, really neat to hear about, like moving something from comic to animation. That was like, what? Everyone's so cool. We got to talk to so many cool people. Yeah, it's wild. It turns out that if you just ask people to be on your podcast, they'll usually just kind of say yes, which is cool. It was just all of these people who I think I had been wanting to talk to for a really long time. Definitely. There's all of these great critics that I would read stuff from them and be like, hmm, that's great and very thought provoking. Why don't you come onto my podcast and then you can say those things and then I'll just kick back (laughs) and relax. You can take over and, uh, you know, like, let's hear what your perspective is, which is like so nice. That's one of the things I like about podcasts in particular is you have the ability to have these more meandering and robust conversations because it's easier to track conversation when you're hearing it versus like in writing right Mm -hmm. that's one of the things I've loved the most about those conversations and like you were saying with critics the Wawak conversation with Adrian and Nola and Kaylee was just like what 
that's one of those episodes that like that changes the way I think about how I write about creative works because I've just thought so much of like what Adrian said where like the purpose of criticism is to understand the object of the criticism as well as you can. I'm like, oh my God, that's so helpful on an intuitive level to some degree. I think I understood that, but to have that language really helps me look at a piece of work beyond like, do I like it or not? You know what I mean? I do. (laughs) I loved that conversation. I thought it was really fun. We both asked like three questions or something like that. And it was really nice to do things kind of panel style because normally it's, you know, a little bit like less formal, I guess. But the formalness, I think, added this layer to that conversation. And we don't really see it. You know, it's like if you go to a convention, you wouldn't see a panel that was just, hey, critics, like, (laughs) why isn't criticism important? You know, like, why do you do what you do? Because the people at WAC do so much work and a lot of comic review sites and stuff like that aren't compensated. We talked a lot about how money influences and affects that and how people are less able to do a bunch of writing if they are not getting paid for it and like all of that. Mm -hmm. So I just think that that was interesting because you never see that conversation happening really. No, totally. Totally. What about comics of the week? What were some of your favorites? Oh, my God. All of the comics of the week, though, because (sighs) they're all so good. (laughs) They're like our curated list of best of. Yeah. I'm just like, (laughs) oh, my God. All of the ones because I just love all of them. I love reading comics and then being like, oh, yeah, this is what I thought of this. And it's especially nice as kind of a relic for me because it means, oh, like I can listen back to this and be like, oh, I forgot about that and that story and stuff like that. So it's nice to go back over it. And I like that we do like a smattering of newer and older, obscure, yeah. indie, oh, Dazzler. mainstream. <laughs> Dazzler is my favorite one oh my God, where we Dazzler. talk about Dazzler <laughs> and the grapplers. That one's so fucking good. Yeah. That was such a funny comic. Half the reason I wanted to start this podcast is because I knew that Sarah Century was going to expose me to comics I had never seen before. (laughs) You can't even find the Dazzler series very much, just a few issues, but you can't find it on Marvel Unlimited, really. Even the site that is a mass archive of Marvel material doesn't have it. But it's one where I read it as a kid, of course, because I found it in the quarter bin or whatever and was just like, this looks interesting because I was... A homosexual and <laughs> I was like oh Dazzler's like wrestling with these ladies ladies in cute jumpsuits yeah and then years later I read it again and I'm just like I love this comic <laughs> what a weird weird delightful comic I loved it that's one of the things I think that's been fun too is we've been able to in part because of I've served on the jury with pop culture classrooms Excellence in Graphic Literature Award. I've served in their adult jury. So we've gotten to pull in some books that like I would never have seen if it weren't for that. And that, you know, we haven't even finished going through all those reviews yet. Like they haven't all appeared in the pod yet. But that's been super fun because, you know, those are books that we've been able to like digest and discuss and then be like, okay, great. Yeah, let's let's do it. And I'd say there's only been like a couple books that we both read that were like on our list that we both read and then we're like you know what actually let's let's not review that one (laughs) right let's do this other really cool random one and that's been so fun it's so nice to read something and then have a conversation about like what's happening on like a story level a plot level characterization those things but then also like oh man the panels on page four were so cool yeah (laughs) beautiful it's so beautiful (laughs) Nothing makes me feel like a stoner more than even when sober talking about comics and going, man, 
It's so, so good. So beautiful. Yeah. Bombshells. Bombshells from episode 10. That we one just was talked so about funny. it for like 20 minutes. I think it's the longest comic of the week we've done. Because we're like, no, listen, it's so queer. And you need to understand how much I love Mira. <laughs> it's a lot. I do now. Yeah. I think all of our episodes have been good. <laughs> I might be biased, but I agree. Oh, no. Also, too, the X-Men ones, because I love the X-Men ones. Yeah, so we've listed all of them. <laughs> this is all of our episodes, and they are all really good. So if you want to find a place to start, pick an episode. <laughs> Pretty much. Just uh, scroll, 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 click. 17? Great. I will say that they are all mostly similar <laughs> so you can pretty much hop in wherever i like that it's super episodic i mean obviously part of the purpose but i think that's nice i like our format you know not to like pat ourselves on the back too much but i like that we're an advice podcast i like that you know neither of us anticipated doing this many interviews nope. and that's been super fun yeah because you just go oh darn i want to talk to this person too <laughs> It's like, oh, well, let's not do that many interviews because then it's going to be too many or something. And then it's like, but it can't be too many because it's how many we felt like doing. So exactly. It's always nice because you don't really it's the same as zines or something where it's like, I don't really have to approach this as an editor who's trying to sell copies or get clicks or whatever. So it's just like I can really just kind of say whatever and talk to whoever on here, which is always really nice. Yeah, I, I like it. I like that we have a smattering of like creators and critics. And that's that's super fun. My favorite thing about us is we're having one big conversation. So as much as you can jump in anywhere, if you listen from the beginning, you'll start catching weaving storylines, right? Like we've got a poison ivy thing that's just like going and going and going because it'll go forever. And, you know, we've had great conversations about criticism where like one references another and conversations about editing where one references another and one of my favorite things that happens sometimes is where, and we want to thank everybody for doing this, where someone sends in a great question. Thank you all for your questions. Holy thank you cow. For the questions. Dozens of questions in one year. Dozens of questions about cool things we've never thought about. Cool things we're like really deep in on. Things that Sarah's like, you know what, Essie, just sit back. Let me go. And things where I'm like, Sarah, let me kick this one off. <laughs> it's so fun. It's just been like amazing. And to have those moments where someone asks a question about an episode we've done that's based on a question someone sent us, it's like, yes, that's the goal. A big conversation that's complex and convoluted and lends itself very much to this podcast format. So I have appreciated every single question people have sent in, whether it's a question for the pod or even just on Twitter, people being like, wait, what about this thing? <laughs> like, OK, let's here's a quick answer. <laughs> uh, we appreciate all of our followers everywhere. Thank you so much for joining us and making the comics community, the pop culture community a little bit more welcoming, a little bit more friendly, particularly for LGBTQ folks and women. You know, that's that's been the goal all along. So I'm feeling like pretty cloud nine at the moment. Yeah. Um, what's something that you would like to do going forward? Because I have one, which is I would like to interview people that are more on the periphery of comic stuff and maybe talk to people who like a librarian who is the person who chooses what graphic novels to carry in their library and people who maybe can talk to us a little bit about some of the science behind comics and all of that. I think that it would be cool if we could talk a little bit more to people who like are creators, of course, but then also to some of the people who 
engaged with graphic novels in a different way. Hell yeah, that sounds so fun. I love that idea. You know, I think we've we've bounced around different ideas for interviews in the future. I think we'll keep doing a lot of interviews. Yeah. There's some of my favorite episodes. I mean, I love the advice stuff too because it's fun to just be us and talk shit, which is oh, yeah. delightful. Can't get rid of that. I feel like the interviews most of the time are just like talking shit with someone else. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk shit with Iola. <laughs> what I would like to see us do and something that we've talked about a little bit, but I want to figure out how to make it happen. Originally, we were thinking about on Patreon because it's not quite an episode, but I want to have like weird random conversations with people, mostly creators, about a weird property they love. Like we got to talk to Tina Horn and and she was like, oh, yeah, we could totally do a whole thing about the weird X-Files movie. And I was like, that'd be so funny to do like a mm-hmm. 20, 30 minute conversation where we just rip on that movie. Like, I think that could be really fun and different. You know, I like that we tackle a lot of serious things and light things in the pod. But for everything on Patreon, I think we try and goof off more because it's like, well, extra work for us. So let's be fucking silly. So I think that could be fun. But maybe we make them free. I don't know. I haven't quite wrapped my head around that. I also think it'd be, you know, we have a goal where if we get a certain number of patrons, we can start doing articles. And I think that would be really fun because, you know, you and I are both paid for articles. So right now it doesn't make sense. We can place that somewhere else and make money (laughs) versus putting it on Patreon. But if we have enough patrons, I think it'd be cool to do that because one of the advantages of getting to hear directly from a writer or someone like us is like Sarah and I are constantly saying like, listen, I have a word limit. (laughs) Like. I can't get into all of that stuff. I have a word limit or like I have to make this something people will read. So I have to have a way I frame it. That's maybe a little bit more. I don't want to say clickbait, but like attractive to clicks, let's say. (laughs) Right. Not quite clickbait. Like we're not saying things that aren't true or like framing things in the most salacious way possible. But like, oh, God, sometimes I have to take a weird, silly lens on something because that's the way an editor wants to read it. That's the way I can sell it. And I think it'd be fun to do pieces that are more robust and in-depth or maybe more more like radically and unapologetically queer and maybe like a little more angry sometimes or maybe a little more silly sometimes than what I can sell. I think that'd be really cool to be able to do with Bitches on Comics. So we could also just pay people to come in and write articles, which would be really nice about some of the things that we talk about. Wouldn't that be so cool? And I know that there's podcasts that have kind of started or tried to do stuff like that. And it was met with varying degrees of success. But yeah, I would love to do something like that. Obviously, Xavier Files has done a really good job of being able to post a lot of articles on their website that's outside of their podcast. But why, though, would be another great example of that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. Uh huh. So a couple of people have definitely done it. But yeah, we have to be able to pay them pretty much so. Well, and, and, you know, we've made the choice that, like, because we're both fiction writers, wanted to do a fiction project. And so we'll be doing Decoded again. Super freaking pumped about that. I can't believe we even did that this year. Yeah. I can't believe we did that, Sarah. That is so bananas. Yeah, it's wild. We also have, like, this other giant project that's coming up. (laughs) Forthcoming. See you soon, (laughs) babies. It's like between Decoded's, we're doing this other giant thing, so. Yeah, we're, we're ambitious. We like to get out there and do things, but. Yeah. On that note, I want to like thank all of our patrons. You know, we have 25 people. We know that when shit started to go down with coronavirus and then with the awesome and appropriate upheaval and social unrest around police violence, people have been directing their funds to other things. Hey, we respect it and we've lost some patrons and that's okay. Like, hey, make the choice you got to make. And some people were really sweet and were like, I had to downgrade. (laughs) Maybe don't worry about it. We love you. 
seriously never worry about that. Yeah, it's so sweet. Like, oh my gosh. And we've gotten new patrons. And that has felt like in a time when people have to be really careful about what they're spending their money on, to spend $2 a month and pledge that to us, that means a lot. So thank you, every single person who's joined us on Patreon. Thank you for everyone who's popped over there just to look at our free stuff. It means the world to us. We're creating great content on the main site, but we're also creating great content over on Patreon. And our goal, we are super excited to announce. And our goal has been we've decided like to flatten it. So if you become a patron at any level, you're going to get access to all of our content. We didn't like having layers. We're commies. We're socialists. We're anarchists. Like we fucking want you to have access. So happy anniversary to you listeners. Join us over there at any level. Get access to all our back content, everything else we're creating because, hey, you're our family. We want you in here with us. Yeah, you can pledge at different tiers, but it's all on you to decide what tier you want to choose, which is always the case. But now it's like we used to have, you know, song playlists at $20, you know, and stuff like that. And now it's just like you can pledge $20 or you can pledge $2. You're just going to get everything because, you know, who cares? We care like a little bit because we like to pay Kate. (laughs) You know, we want to pay for the website and things like that. And everybody helps us so much doing that. Obviously, we want to do plenty more things. But like also, we do keep in mind that everybody's poor and it's hard. And there's like a ton of things to put your money towards. You know, we've also donated to so many. There was definitely a month where I was like, all of my money is going to bail funds and stuff like that. And that's what we can do so we certainly would not (laughs) we're not like hey what the heck you know or something it's always just like wow thank you so much what a great thing absolutely it's so sweet when people apologize to us oh my gosh I'm always like baby no (laughs) we had to switch from 20 to 10 but only for a couple months and stuff and it was just like no good god so I guess the only thing I would emphasize is that you never have to apologize to us for not subscribing to our patreon exactly it's fine. Like, we're fine. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Totally. And also thanks, like, for even considering it. Yeah. And, and if you have the means, like, of course we want your support. We are not breaking even right now. <laughs> yeah. So we would love to break even. We would love to be able to be like, here's Sarah, enough to buy a sandwich every month. That would be great. So, you know, if you can't support us, join us. If you can't, though, please, we're very guilt-free. Like, Sarah and I, we have a guilt-free thing with each other where I'm like, don't apologize for rescheduling. Who fucking cares? The world is chaos. So know that that is our our outlook. The world is chaos. Who fucking cares? Yeah, that's pretty much what I guess I would use to define our podcast. Is, <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. Things are rough. And we love you. And we love Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. Thank you for engaging. Thank you for retweeting. Thank you for reviewing and rating us on your favorite podcast platform. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Thank you for listening to our interviews, for sharing them. Thank you for asking us questions that have made it so much fun to do this. We can't do this without you. Even if we were able to fund it, we can't do it without you because you give us the questions. So thank you. Thank you for a whole year of just the most fun I have ever had. I love this podcast so, so much. Personally, thank you so much. And as a podcast, thank you so much. And as Sarah, thank you also still some more. Still some more. So beautiful. Your support is so beautiful, man. Thank you.
Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the pod. We're super pumped to have you here with us. You know what you can do to help us out? Is you can rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. We're not even asking you to go to multiple platforms, baby. Just choose what you're already listening to. Pop on in there, give us five stars. If you give us anything less, I will cry. Then write a nice word like, oh, these bitches. That's good enough. We love it. talk about a different thing totally different thing but a thing that is kind of similar because it's important to our origin story as well if you look (laughs) back many years so we're going to talk about a little thing called the x-men and we're going to talk about the animated series of the x-men and we're going to talk about the first two episodes of the animated series of the x-men which are titled night of the sentinels Now, do you remember the first time that you watched Night of the Sentinels? I remember watching the cartoon. I wonder if I even got to see this, right? Because it was released as a sneak peek before it was actually ready for production or ready to be shown. Yeah, it was shown later on Fox. So it was shown in 1993. Multiple times. Okay. Yeah. I I don't I don't know. I've seen it a couple times recently, but yeah, I don't remember the first time I saw it exactly. But I do remember thinking, oh, my God, I love the X-Men more than I love anyone. And why am I not an X-Men? And am I Jubilee? Or wait, no, am I Wolverine? Wait, can I be all of them? That's what I remember thinking. What about you? Well, I remember that the town that I lived in had a pizza hut that was one of the fancy ones where you could do salad bar and you would sometimes get slices of pizza that were like dessert pizza. Oh, and yeah. Then you could Fancy have pizza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like three or four different kinds of pizza there. So I remember that. I remember that I was in the Book It program because I was a hella nerd. I can't believe you remembered the name of it. The Book It <laughs> program. Oh, the- my God. I'd forgotten the name. How many books do you read? It's like if you read this many books as a kid, then you can go get a free pizza because you're in the Book It program. So you get like a you little got, sticker. You got like stamps, right? Yeah, or it's stickers? like stamps or stickers. And then if you get so many, then you get a free pizza. So usually what would happen is you get like a little personal pan pizza, which is a very small pizza, totally made for little kids. And I would go with my family. And then there was some kind of promotional thing that they had going on where they released Night of the Sentinels 1 and 2 on VHS and you got it for something. I think you had to like buy a whole pizza and then you get this like giant chunk of plastic, most of which now lives in the ocean. (laughs) Um, But... (laughs) (laughs) The ones that don't live in the ocean. I remember the interviews with the creators a lot. And then, of course, this was one of my first, if not my first introductions to the animated series, because I don't remember which episode I watched first. I think it might have actually been The Cure, which was a rogue episode. I think that that was the eighth episode of the animated Mm -hmm. series. So I believe that that's the first one that I watched. But then we got this. We went to the Pizza Hut and I was just so all about the X-Men by that time because I had seen all of one episode and was so, so obsessed and was so glad that there was more of it because I we talked a little bit in Pride of the X-Men <laughs> special coverage 
that I had seen that whenever I was a kid. And then there was this chunk of time between those two things. For a kid, any chunk of time is hard, but it was a long chunk of time, several years. <laughs> and so whenever I finally saw it back on again, I was like, the X-Men have returned into my life. <laughs> like, oh. this is great. Now I can collect every single thing I see. And of course, there was a bunch of kids merchandise. So there would be a kite that had like Rogue on it or, you know, all of that stuff. So I remember just like trying to collect all of it. But that was my first time of watching this. I think I had a pillowcase maybe that was like an X-Men pillowcase. Like we were always too poor to buy like the whole set of something. Right. But damn if I couldn't find a fucking pillowcase at a thrift store. <laughs> yeah. I remember having no money, but then also being like, I do have enough money to spend $7 on this kite that has a rogue on it. Oh my God. That's so cute. I really like rogue in it as an aside. She is so good and so funny. I have many things to say about Rogue. I love the way they just sort of pluck the characters out of a point in their comic book history with no explanation and then are like, boom, there's no explanation for why Rogue can fly. Why is Rogue super strong? And I didn't know until I got really into comics. I was like, oh, right, because she brain sucked Carol Danvers. <laughs> what the fuck? She used to be a villain, it turns out. Yes. yes. I was telling my partner about that and they were like, what? <laughs> I was yeah. Like, yeah. Rogue was a baddie and she like almost killed Carol. And he was like, what? It was really cute. I was like, that is cute. Nerd. <laughs> this is very much like that. The whole animated series was kind of, hey, you don't need context. <laughs> oh my God, right? It was like picking up a comic in the 90s of the yes, X-Men because yes. they're all so bizarre and connected to all of these ongoing storylines that really don't make sense if you just walk into them. I think that the first X-Men comic that I read was X-Men Unlimited, which is a standalone thing, but it was right around the same time that Age of Apocalypse was happening. So it was like I got that in continuity thing and then age of apocalypse was the crossover that happened like right then right so it must have been like 11 or 12 and by the time i started actually getting comics we were in the middle of age of apocalypse and that is an alternate reality where everybody is different <laughs> and so i just remember being like yeah i don't really understand anything that's happening but I'm super into everybody's very glam outfits and, you know, everybody's <laughs> weird, meaningless face tattoos where they have like an M <laughs> over their eye, which like, okay, that's oh, right, meaningful. Right, right. But with Storm, it will be this weird blade shaped thing that's just tattooed right over the eye. And it's like, cool. Yep. Into it. Just the outfits back then. And everybody had these really dynamic appearances and personalities and stuff like that. And that's really what draws you in to the X-Men, I think, in the 90s. Not so much like, I'm going to read this complete story. It's more exactly. kind of like, I'm going to find a puzzle piece on the ground and I'm just going to look at it for a long time. And then I'm going to see if I can find another puzzle piece. I think for me, it's like I didn't grow up with any comics. I grew up with very little, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, horror which, you know, I know not everybody does, but, you know, like I didn't really even read like the C.S. Lewis. Like I can't remember what even those are called, but, you know, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Yeah, The Chronicles shit. of Narnia, because yes. I read that one billion times as a kid. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't read any of that stuff. I, uh, you know, had a lot of hands off parenting. So I was in the library by myself picking up macabre books that are way too mature for me. <laughs> Being like, this looks fun. I'll read this fucked up thing. I had a mix of both. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so I think for me, that was part of what it was when I saw the animated series. I was like, this is so interesting. This is so creative. This is so like different. And I think we've talked before about how for each of us, 
there was some sort of inkling of recognition of my queerness in like how I saw them. I was like, you and me, we got something going on. This story is like that, right? It's totally like you never know if your kids are queer, basically. (laughs) Like you never Mm -hmm. know if your kids are going to be a mutant and like, oh, I love my kid even if my kid's a mutant and stuff like that. Especially in, in this time, I think that like that narrative can't really be divorced from it. I suppose it could be if you were like a straight person and like didn't, <laughs> didn't really know. But for me watching it back, I'm always just like, oh, yeah, no, of course I can understand. And of course, it's there for anybody who has felt like an outsider, certainly. But then mm-hmm. like the kind of metatextual way that everybody talks about it is like this all sounds like lavender scare stuff kind of. So, yep. It has to be one of their biggest influences, I think, during this time. Absolutely. Because, you know, it might have started in conversations around the civil rights movement, which like (laughs) has certainly been an up and down kind of situation (laughs) throughout the history of the comics. But yeah, definitely watching this cartoon, I was like, holy heck, this is totally queer analogy, 100%. Well, and you and I both, we were talking before recording, like, you know, we've had We had shitty childhoods. Let's be real. Shit was not good. Shit was tough. People were mean to us. People who should have been invested in our growth were like mean to us, our parents. And so there was this whimsy, right? Like you said it so perfectly. You're like, I want to go to the Xavier school. I want to be swept away and hang out with all the cool, I would think now lesbians and and gay (laughs) men. I want to like go hang out with the queermos. I want to go spend time with non-binary Scott Summers. Like, this sounds great. Because they're like, hey, we're prosecuted, but, like, there's nothing wrong with you. That's, like, kind of the point of the X-Men. So that is something that I think almost always when you hear queer people talking about it, they bring that up, you know, is, like, there's something that other people are going to say is wrong with you, but it's okay. You just have to work through it and be mature and not let your trauma make you into a monster because that's what happens Mm. to the evil mutants right so all of that i mean we're certainly putting a lot into this extremely dicey script but yeah oh no these are broader strokes (laughs) these are like x-men as a concept yeah yeah because and what appealed to us whenever we were kids and we didn't really have that that language right to be like oh it's this this and this For us, it's like we're looking at this scotch taped together script where it's just like, oh, my God, this story isn't even a story. So uh, ostensibly, you know, we we learn about the X-Men through the lens of a young queer, I mean, young asexual, I mean, young mutant named Jubilee who is living with foster parents, not from the comics, unclear. And her foster parents have registered with the Mutant Registration Act, which is like, what the actual fuck they think it's going to help her supposedly and then you know a sentinel comes and is like oh dope i'm gonna get myself a little jubilee and i'll take her back to this place and we'll experiment (laughs) on her that'll be fun it's so funny that nobody has figured it out yet they're just like yeah we just keep signing up our kids with the mutant registration act and they keep fucking disappearing (laughs) and then like all of a sudden these giant murder robots show up and it's so wild (laughs) like do you think it could be connected to all of those other times when this happened on the news and everywhere don't think so don't think (laughs) so doesn't seem likely i don't know yeah and she's like i'm gonna go to the mall and play some video games because i'm mad (laughs) 90s (laughs) It's and the that yellow fucking raincoat. 
<laughs> no, the best part is how she gets all excited and emotionally flustered. And then she fries the arcade machine. And that guy's like, do you know how much that cost? And she's all like, yeah, a quarter. A quarter. And then she like flips her sunglasses down and takes a drink so of her soda. Cute. <laughs> I love that so much. There we go. This is the voice of a generation. <laughs> yeah. Jubilee is all of us. <laughs> Gambit's a scumbag. <laughs> oh, my God. And, like, the cashier he's talking to is like, I've never met someone who acts that way. Please show me one person. Who was, like, that sexually available to just a random dude who walks in. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not that hot. I'm sorry. <laughs> His goofy hair and he's wearing, like, the head sock and, like, the costume that makes no sense and metal boots. Can you imagine oh bringing God. somebody wearing metal boots to meet your parents? Like, oh nobody wants to do that. God. And this girl maybe wasn't trying to get him to meet her parents or anything. Like, get it, girl. But at the same time, it's just like, really? Is that how she's going to respond to him being like, she goes, you like cards? While well, they're like in the card store. <laughs> and he's just like, I like to play solitaire. And then it's like, dot, dot, dot really long silence and then he's like unless i've got somebody to play with <laughs> and she's just like moony dreamy and i'm just like if somebody said that to me i'd be like sir you have to leave like, <laughs> you can't whatever you're doing you can't be that here <laughs> he's just like mutant persecution strikes again <laughs> it's like no you're just being a total creep like and your eyes glow which is kind of weird <laughs> like, so weird so weird then like jubilee's running from First, she's just, like, pissed, and she's just being a teenager and, like, <laughs> slamming into people and being like, watch it. <laughs> and then she's going down the escalator. She's like, why are you all running the wrong direction? Oh, yeah, and one of the people she yells, watch it at, is Storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just runs into Rogan Storm. And they're like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> like, what's that little asshole doing? <laughs> and then, of course, like, Gambit almost immediately gets taken out by a Sentinel, and then so Jubilee funny. has to come out and save him. Which is ridiculous because it's just like, you're the adult, dude. <laughs> yeah. Aren't you an X-Men? This is a child. Cyclops shows up and he's like, energy blast, huh? Take one from a pro. And I'm just like, what a dad. I was like, this is when Cyclops is perfect. Is he's this so cute. moment. Yes. yes. I love him whenever he's on the animated series because a lot of people are like, this guy sucks on this series. Or like people who like the complicated <laughs> character from the comics are like, you know what? If you grew up on X-Men, the animated series, I get why you don't like this guy because he is a complete square. And I'm like, I like him for being a square, though, because he's surrounded by people who are just completely weird. <laughs> yeah. And so he's just like, listen, we have a mission. We have things to do. And it's just really funny to me to watch him do that. And then it's like, it's so cute because he's like, oh, I'm useful. Like, <laughs> that's how I feel like whenever he shows up to save Jubilee, he's like, I'm useful. Take one from a pro. That's me. I'm a pro. The useful one. I can do things. Xavier. <laughs> I'm the leader. I'm the leader, damn it. Like, that's, yeah, it does feel that way. I, I love it. I love them all in this. They're so funny. Well, because then we go back to the mansion and we see Beast. Oh, my God. And Beast <laughs> is just doing what he is always fucking doing, making some kind of concoction that will kill everyone. And thinking about it, like, isn't this game of chess fun? And... <laughs> I can't remember what the first part of what he says is. Do you remember? I do. I have it all written down because I want to get it tattooed to my body. But it says, <laughs> it would be quite disconcerting if this were to detonate. 
disconcerting, yet but provocative. provocative. <laughs> <laughs> and Jubilee's just like, what? Did you I just like that? <laughs> what does provocative mean? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say it in that voice while you were looking at two beakers, you fucking weirdo? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's just like quoting people left and right. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we find out all about the famous philosophers through X-Men, the animated series. I know I certainly did. So funny. <laughs> so then we cut to who? Morph? I'm sorry, who? Morph. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Morph? Yeah, he's in the X-Men. Um, he's going to die soon. His name's Morph. You know, the only person on this team that you haven't seen in a bunch of comics. And it's weird how he's going to be the one who goes. <laughs> my partner, Jason, was like, who's that? And I was like... Oh, it's like Nerf or Mel <laughs> or, oh, wait, Morph. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. Certainly Morph. Morph. And then Morph. it's so funny because he has the most generic look, like the most generic costume. And then he has this laugh that, that is horrible. so upsetting. <laughs> and I'm it's just, just like, the worst. So he's sitting on a couch by himself in his X-Men uniform and he just keeps morphing into the different people he sees on television and then being like, hee, 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 like right after. <laughs> he's making jokes to himself. Like he's he like, turns into Jubilee for a second. And it's just like, if you were Jubilee and you saw that happening, wouldn't you be like, check, please, like, get me the fuck out of here. I do not want to be here at all. He also like morphs into the guy from the um, perfume commercial and then is like, don't forget to get your hands on aggression by Calvin Klein. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Terrible Why? jokes. Yeah. They're like, you know what we should do? We need to write a character who just makes bad jokes <laughs> and morphs into different things. And people will feel really compelled by this character and sad. When he dies. <laughs> yeah. And all we felt, all I felt at least was like, kill him off. I'm done with him. What is happening? <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Because I've watched this as a kid. And as a kid, you don't have context once again. So it's like, yeah, morph, like beast and Cyclops. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> you look back and you're just like, what were the thoughts that went into? Because he's based on the character Changeling. But Changeling right. hadn't shown up really since like the Silver Age. And then Morph does show up in Age of Apocalypse, but that's a few years later. And so it's just like, what the heck was this idea? <laughs> like, They were like, we want to choose somebody who's so low maintenance and like so low stakes that we can kill them definitely. But then it's also just like, yeah, but why him out of everybody? <laughs> like, it makes no sense. It's not like they do anything with his ability to morph. It's not like that's like a central component to breaking into the what like what 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 is happening big old question mark on this one (laughs) okay and then i just want to read from wikipedia it says due to the character's unexpected popularity morph returned (laughs) and i'm like who liked morph he comes back and he comes back as like evil so basically he's the same only he has slightly darker shadows under his eye because he already looks like a really weird dude He has, like, so much muscles, like everybody in this cartoon. But then also he has this weird bowl cut and kind of a (laughs) weird face. Like, not to be mean, because, like, I don't, I would never walk up to a person and be like, wow, you have a weird face or something. But, like, I think with an animated character, it's a little different. (laughs) Well, I just wonder what they were, like, what is this guy based on? Like, why? (laughs) Like, there's just so many questions. 
because I'm like, where did this bowl cut come from? I know it was the early 90s and that was a thing, but like what? You know, that was a thing for like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, not grown men, you know? (laughs) So like, (laughs) like that was a thing for Edward Furlong in Terminator 2, not more of the like 35 year old. Oh my God, that's so funny. There's also like a moment where they're all in the, um, I don't even know what you call it. It's like the ready room of sorts. And they're like talking (laughs) and like, Rogue and Professor Xavier talking. And Rogue says, this is an amazing line. You look more nervous than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. That was at the end of the first episode. And that line... (laughs) Isn't that the last line of the episode? (laughs) You look as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. (laughs) And it's just like... Wow, I'm from the South. Um, What? (laughs) I have never heard anything like that. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave, with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. What's the weirdest thing that Rogue could say? (laughs) 
No, there's a whole other conversation with Rogue, but I also want to say Jean Grey is the teacher's pet so hard and it's so funny to watch her in this because she shows up every time Xavier is going through the halls. Jean is just walking like right next to him. Oh my God. And I'm just like, oh my God, Jean, like you are such a square to you. And as much as I get it, like she passes out all the time and everything and we all are mad because she doesn't really get to use her powers that much in the series other than the Phoenix Saga, which is our always problem with Jean. (laughs) You shouldn't be losing control of yourself the only time you get to use your powers. But however, I still like Jean because she's such a goddamn nerd. (laughs) So people try really hard, you know, to be like, well, Jean knows her stuff now. And that makes sense because she's evolved a lot. And I'm just like, but she was still such a nerd and such a teacher's pet as a kid that, you know, that doesn't totally go away ever. Oh, my God. When it comes to Jean, for me, it's like the opening of the second episode when Wolverine is just so mad at everybody because we don't know yet because we haven't seen the flashback, but he's pissed, just like mad at everybody. He's like, I'm mad at you, I'm mad at you, I'm pissed at you. I'm going to get in my Jeep and go for an angry drive. And as he's getting into his Jeep, Jean goes, it's not Scott's fault. And then he drives off and she starts to cry and she goes, it's not yours either. (laughs) (laughs) And then we find out what they're upset about, which is that Morph died at the end of the first episode and we just didn't know. Wait, wait, but you're skipping ahead of some of Am my I? favorite parts. Okay, yeah. please tell because me. Because there is a part where like Gambit is, this is way back. This is when they're talking about going to break into the government facility, Oh my! which God. is like, I can't believe that this is on a cartoon for kids. They were like, no, we can't have any blood. Wolverine can't kill anybody. Break into a government facility. Okay. I'll take that. (laughs) Like, we can show this on television. There's this part where everybody's talking about the team that they're going to assemble, and Gambit's like, I'd get in there alone. Easy. And I'm just like, is Gambit going to fuck the building? (laughs) Is he about to go, like, literally have sex with the fucking military base or whatever? It's like the Sentinel place. But it was just really funny to hear Gambit say that because I was like, Like he's going to fuck the building. (laughs) Are we still talking about the base? But he gets sad that they won't let him just go in by himself because he's trying to spend some time alone with the base. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever Wolverine and Cyclops go to have a fight, because he just keeps being like, I go where I want to go. Oh, my God. He says that how many times? Yeah, seriously. And then Jean just comes running up and she's like, hey, everyone. (laughs) Hi. Logan Scott, I'm here because you're here. I'm the person that is here when you're here. Um, (laughs) There's that part where they go to the base and Cyclops is like, everyone stay close. And then sad music starts playing and Rogue's all like, not too close. You know, I remember. (laughs) And she starts talking about her childhood. So it's like, (laughs) for no reason. Jubilee's not there. She's not like explaining to someone no. like relevant to the story what happened when she found out <laughs> she was a mutant. It's just like, hey, guess what? <laughs> We're going to break into this building. And she's like, break into things, huh? Well, I remember a time. <laughs> when like... I broke a man in half by touching him. <laughs> <laughs> so then speaking of Hank can't read the room. Um, after she's finished telling the story about how she literally put her first boyfriend in a coma and almost killed him. Beast laughs, just <laughs>, laughs, and then he goes, consider yourself fortunate. I had dandruff. <laughs> yeah, right? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> consider yourself fortunate. You only put your first love in a coma and almost killed him. I, LOL, 
pad dandruff. Never touch anyone ever again. Consider yourself fortunate. He's like, that's sad. L O fucking L. I love your sadness. I know. That's so funny. She has some good one-liners even besides that. Like whenever she throws some random dudes out into the water and she goes, don't get a moon burn. I was totally <laughs> going to bring that line up because my partner was like, that was a moon burn. <laughs> <laughs> They've already like, gotten moon burned. Clever. Very <laughs> clever. Yeah. That whole thing is just like, what is happening? I feel like what they did in the writer's room was like, what's the weirdest thing you think this person would say? Throw it on the wall. Throw it on the wall. Let's put them all up there and then we'll throw darts to pick what she says. Oh, my God. There's that scene, too. Like, Storm doesn't get to do too much, but there's that scene where Beast is, like, on the computer and he's just like, I'm just going at my pace. And they're just like, hey, we keep getting attacked. Can we hurry it up? And Beast is like, I'm going, I'm going. Like, whatever. And then <laughs> let me quote some fucking philosophers at you instead of, like, helping. And then Storm just hits the computer with lightning. <laughs> And then she's like, my apologies, Beast. There's no time for poetry. <laughs> and it's just like, okay. He's like, there's always time for poetry. Basically, he's like, I'm sorry. I didn't know that you were on a schedule. It's so funny because it's just like, wait, couldn't you have just done that the whole time? Also, couldn't you have said, hey, heads up, I'm about to hit this with lightning. Like, it's yeah, just so anything. funny that like everybody's <laughs> like, well, I just did that. So I guess that's it. What now, bitch? What now? <laughs> Then they, like, leave, and when they're leaving, they're, like, trying to destroy all the files, right? That's why they broke in. They were trying to do, like, no more information <laughs> on mutants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the files, the files. And so they're like, they're, like, leaving to get on the Blackbird. They're, like, cool ship. I do really like their spaceship or their plane. It's dope. The Blackbird's dope. But then, like, the Sentinels come out and are like, hey, we're really big, so we're going to smush you, okay? And Wolverine's <laughs> like, you're not going to smush me. I'm Wolverine. I might be 5'4", but I'm made of adamantium and fury. <laughs> Like fighting them, and they're just like kicking him around. Then like Cyclops <laughs> is fighting them. Then Mor- what is even Morphs? How is Morph fighting them? Morphs like I'm gonna come fight you. He just comes like running through and gets killed. Basically, that's it. Like he just runs at them and dies. And it's like what? It's like well, yeah, I can see why that happens. <laughs> yeah, but why would you run at them? You guys- come on, what are you doing? Yeah, no, there's no reason for you to do that. But yeah. it is Beast really funny. jumps at them, and then Beast gets thrown onto an electric fence where he's like electrocuted again and again and again. And it's like that is so messed up. <laughs> I'm a little kid. Uh, yeah, I'm a child, and that is going to haunt my nightmares. <laughs> oh. I had dandruff. Like. <laughs> and then Wolverine's like, I'm not going to leave them behind. And Rogue's like, oops, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have to, like, fuck you up now. <laughs> she has no hesitation. She 100% goes for just using her powers to attack one of her teammates. But then she like explains out loud what how she's doing it, right? Because like we haven't seen her use her power that I way. I better that take one. it easy. I can't take too much. <laughs> but I must take enough. <laughs> it's uncontrollable, but I can measure it as if it were in a measuring cup. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Wolverine has to be upset because he's the upset one. So he's yeah. upset because Morph has died. They were best friends, didn't you know? Since when? Since he died. <laughs> he died. So, <laughs> and he's like, I'll avenge you, friend. And then it's like him at a bar where nobody drinks, of course, because it's a cartoon. But it's all of these bikers at a bar playing pool, not drinking. 
And <laughs> there's like this, we don't take kindly to your kind around here kind of situation. And then there's this one guy who is doing a Jack Nicholson impression. <laughs> He's like, we don't need you, freak show. And like doing like the whole like. <laughs> that was so good. That was He's so good. doing that like weird, I'm doing a Jack Nicholson voice kind of thing, but there's no reason for it. It's not explained. It doesn't look like Jack Nicholson. It makes no sense for there to be a Jack Nicholson impression. Why? Why would we need that here? I guess because it's chaos. Then I love because that same character, Cyclops, walks in and is like, Logan, stop being a little bitch. And Logan's like, <laughs> fuck you and your fucking face, you fucking square. And then the guy's like, take your glasses off, dick face to Cyclops. I don't even know what Cyclops did to give like that treatment. He's just like, I right. just walked in here. And he's like, you do not want me to take my glasses off. And he's like, yes, I do. And he goes and lifts his glasses with a pull cue. And here's what kills me. Cyclops is like, no! Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Like, just close your eyes. And he, that is not an option. Right? Like, he will not close his eyes. He will blow up that whole bar. He's like, oh, wow, I'm out of control. Whoops, I guess I just zapped you, jerk. You're dead. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, no. Whoopsie poopsie. That was really funny, too. I also think that Cyclops is kind of literally the mature one. So it's so weird to watch this back and be like, yeah, when we're kids, we like the guy who's just acting out the whole time. But oh, it's yeah, like, acting like such he's a dick. such a baby all of the time. When you watch the animated series from beginning to end, he's just like, I go my own way. I do what I want. And like everybody's <laughs> like, can you work on the team for five seconds? And he's just like, or like no, go away, go away. <laughs> can you either be here or go <laughs> like can you like be present in our decisions or leave yeah no it's really funny to watch i get why when we're 10 we think that that's acceptable but now i'm just like oh cyclops was doing the right thing because he's just like hey don't go to this bar where nobody's drinking and start fights like let's leave yeah instead of dealing with your feelings by starting fights you could do something productive And then Jean just shows up and cries. (laughs) I feel like every time Wolverine and Cyclops are standing next to each other, Jean just like walks up to be between them and be like, oh, no. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Scott and Logan. Why aren't we just a thruple? We could have it all. So (laughs) then so then Cyclops goes to Jubilee's foster's parents home. No one knows why. Is he looking for Jubilee? I don't think so. And then yeah. the foster father calls the baddies. Yeah, Henry Peter Geirich. And he's like, oh, no, I got a mutant in my house. And then he's like, oh, no, I told <laughs> this guy that you were in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and Cyclops is like, don't worry about it, bro. I got this. Turns out that was his plan. Then he is leaving and he blows a sentinel's arm off because the sentinel is like, I'm going to kill this little mutant. Do you have the line? Because he says... No, tell it. So the Sentinels... I don't even remember. The Sentinel is just like, halt. And Cyclops goes, of course. Not. Oh my god, right. (laughs) The not was so funny. I laughed for like two minutes straight. It was like a flashback to the early 90s when saying not after everything was so funny. And (laughs) I I feel like collectively all the parents of the world who had to hear not must have just been like... (sighs) (laughs) 
Can you just end the sentence with of course and a period instead of saying not loudly at the end of it? I Very will do aggressive. That. Not. <laughs> Why? Did you do the dishes? Yes. Not. not. <laughs> like, well, that's not how this language works. What are you nodding? <laughs> oh, my God. But then he, he blasts the sentinel's arm off. And then he, like, jumps on the blackboard. And he's like, <laughs> So then the sentinel, quote, unquote, landing clumsily. <laughs> yeah. Damages the like an electrical box at this compound. <laughs> Whoopsie! And then doodle. Jubilee gets out. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "Oh, sweet, thanks. That cool. worked out. <laughs> and that was easy." She ends up talking to her parents and has the most classic of all of the lines, which is them just being like, "You're not going to forget about us forever, are you?" Or something like that. I don't even remember what they say. Do you still love us? And she's like, "Does a mall babe eat chili fries?" And it's all like, "Where, where?" <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what? There's a really funny part, too. I don't want to forget about this because there's a part where the politician, Henry Peter Geirich, goes in and he's just like, yeah, these mutants blew this facility off of the face of the planet pretty much. And then the lady politician, I don't know, like, I don't remember them. Was she the president? Okay, sweet. Yeah, it can happen in 1991 in the cartoon. Oh, my God. Right. That's the other thing I thought. I was like, my heart is broken. Yeah, this is actually really upsetting. Thanks. But um, (laughs) so, yeah, he's all like, they did this. And she's like, well, they were willing to risk their lives to do that. Do you think that they had a reason to feel threatened? It was like so reasonable. I was like, wow. Can you imagine if like a politician actually responded like that ever to anything and wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to escalate this problem and make it worse. And let's bring in some corporate donors and let's throw some cash at the military and let's make sure that we kill all the mutants like and all of that. That's what I'm used to in a government. So watching this was like, wow, she just said, do you think that they had a reason to feel threatened? I know it was so emotionally intelligent. And then she cancels the mutant control registration. What? I was like, what? A politician's just listening. No, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. One thing I hate about her, I mean, besides how she reminds me of how far we haven't come, is that they have her working out. I'm like, of course, the one female president, of course, she's going to have to be working out. To, like, I'm on a treadmill. Figure. Like, oh, yeah. are you kidding me? I'm the only woman who's going to appear on this show that looks over the age of 35. And therefore, I need to be on the treadmill. And also wearing an outfit that's like, I'm literally at my office doing my job. (laughs) She's like in the Oval Office. There is no other furniture. And she's on like a fucking Stairmaster. With like a pantsuit on. And you're just like. And there's like a person standing next to her. You're just like, what is happening in this scene? Yeah, what is happening in this scene? Do people not know what the White House is? (laughs) I mean, it certainly isn't that way. Um, I don't even think that like the Oval Mm. Office has had a person in it in the last like three and a half years. Certainly not. (laughs) maybe a sentient ratings machine but that's about it it's more like if mojo were the president what our current reality is and that never even happened in the comics because the comics can't stay ahead of our dystopian reality (laughs) so they're like dystopian future and then they're like damn you guys out distanced us again (laughs) like anyway yeah and that ending where jubilee is like (laughs) bye (laughs) See you later, here's parents. A, here's a stupid joke I'm going to make on my way out the door. Because <laughs> uh, oh I am the 90s if the 90s were sentient. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh, my God. It's so good. And we were talking about uh, Lana Condor, who only plays her for like a hot second 
in uh, Apocalypse, X-Men Apocalypse. That's right. And she's so perfect as Jubilee, I think. Like, I like Lana Condor. I think she's the best part of those, like, teen rom-coms. And, yeah, she was so perfect. I was like, yes, this is the, the what Jubilee deserves. Sadly, cut down to, like, a tiny, tiny part of the film. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, here's hoping the future holds more for us of of that Jubilee. Agree. So, yeah, I mean, I watched Night of the Sentinels on Prime where I had to buy the episodes that were like two bucks a piece. I highly recommend revisiting it, especially if you did watch it as a kid. I think that it is so fun to watch it now and be like, what kind of little monster was I? That like This was the <laughs> highest truth of my existence. I was like, Rogue is my favorite character as a kid, probably, because she just has the most screen time on this animated series. You see Storm be really cool. And I always liked Jean. A lot of people are like, I hated Jean on the series. It's like, not me. I always have been a sucker for Jean. It's never going to end. But (laughs) I kind of also get why she cries all the time. I'm like, I think I would cry all the time if I had to fucking live in the X-Mansion with a bunch of rage monsters. Oh, God. And just mediate these two macho dudes all the time. And nobody talks about anything. It's all just like slam doors. Like, of course she's overwhelmed. She can literally feel everything everyone's feeling. She's crying because you won't fucking cry. If you would cry, she wouldn't have to. Wow, yeah, that really just sums up how much I relate to Jean in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah. She's crying because you won't. (laughs) That's me. I cry because you won't, listeners. So, uh, Sarah, do you recommend a (laughs) rewatch? I don't know. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I do, but then I don't. You know, it's like I do. You don't have to. And if you didn't watch this as a kid, probably not. Like, you're not going to have the same connection that I do. Whenever I watch it, I'm just like, I remember being 10 and watching this and finding all of these profound messages that, of course, would get changed later and refined. And, you know, I would start to have my own critical thoughts about the X-Men and stuff like that. But this is kind of where it all started. So for me, it was a very, very delightful rewatch. I agree. I think, yeah, all those caveats aside, I think it was super fun to rewatch because it's like, what? I just feel like there wasn't a single choice made that I was like, oh, yes, of course. Every fucking line, every turn, every frame, I was like, what? (laughs) This? And, you know, I enjoy that dissonance. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us for our anniversary episode. We love you, babies. Have a great day. We love you. a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So (laughs) we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot T-C-H-E-S-O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And yeah, remember, there's no I'm bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. 
I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.